I started last week a new series in the book of Genesis. We're calling it Beginnings. Um, and uh, uh, there's so much in Genesis that, that we can talk about. It's the first book of the Bible. And as I said last week, it's, sort of, it's not only the book of the beginning, but it's a book of beginnings. So many things uh, started um, uh, in, uh, in history and in our relationship with God that we read about in Genesis, like uh, God's relationship with Abraham. And when sin first came into the world, we'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks uh, that was certainly a significant moment uh, in our relationship with God, uh, the beginning of the nation of Israel, um, the, uh, the, the new beginning and Noah and the flood. Uh, just so much uh, to talk about in, in this great book of the Bible. But these first uh, couple of weeks, we're going to be dealing with um, the beginning of everything, uh, creation. And uh, today we'll continue in chapter one. Uh, last week was sort of an introduction. This week, we're going to dive into the, the actual passage, chapter one, today. So we'll begin with, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter one, verse one, the beginning of the Bible, the very first verse in the Bible. Most of us know that. We can, we can quote it. Creation begins with God, the creator, creating the heavens and the earth. You know, the Hebrew writer put it this way in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And then Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 4, 17, he is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Now, the universe was, was not made uh, from things that existed before creation. God didn't take a bunch of stuff and, that was already there and, and form it into what we have today in the universe. Now, if we trust the text, which is going to be a theme throughout Genesis, if we trust the text, we know this. God created all that we see and hear and can touch and can see, can see with our, our naked eye, can see through a microscope, can see through a telescope. All that we can see, God made everything out of nothing. You know, we don't know how, uh, we don't know when exactly, uh, but we do know who created, and we do know what he created. God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing, which means God precedes creation. Now, here's a mind-blowing thought. I wonder if you've, uh, if you've had this thought before. I sure have. Where did God come from? <laughs> Where did God come from? If God created the heavens and the earth, who created God? Or, or where did he come from? Did he have a beginning? Uh, you know, when and how did God begin? Uh, with what we know from the text, you know, those kinds of questions just cannot be answered. We can't answer those questions. Before creation, there was God. And that's really all we know. That's all we know. Before creation, there was God. God is before and outside of time and space. You and I live in a universe that demands a beginning and an end, doesn't it? 
You know, uh, pretty much anything that we can think of has a beginning and an end. Uh, a job or a career has a beginning. There's that first day of work, and then there's that day you leave the job or the day you retire. There's the end. The Christmas season begins the day after Halloween. <laughs> These days it does, and it ends abruptly on December the 26th. Uh, our vacations begin as we drive 10 hours to Disney, uh, and then it ends after we've spent $10,000 and we drive 10 hours back home. It finally ends. You know, nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts forever. Life, life begins at birth, or even sooner, at conception. Uh, before that, you and I did not exist. Life ends at death. Our physical life ends at death. Now, our, our spiritual life, our soul continues for eternity, but our physical life on earth ends. Our existence includes the fact that everything has a beginning and an end. But that's not true for God. God is not a part of our universe. Have you ever thought about that? God is not a part of our universe. He created our universe. So it's, important, it's impossible, really, to, for us to comprehend anything that is before and outside of time and, the time and space of God's creation. No doubt there is an explanation to questions about God and, and where he came from and, and, and whether he has a beginning or not. Uh, but we cannot answer those questions this side of heaven. So, what do we Western thinkers who have to have an answer for everything, what do we do? There's only one thing we can do. Trust the text. Trust the text. The evolutionist has the same dilemma that we have. Uh, their theory begins with this explosion of matter, the Big Bang. Uh, but they cannot explain where the matter that exploded came from. Uh, nor the space in which it exploded. They have no answer to that. Uh, they live in a Western mindset that demands a beginning, but they have no credible answer to the beginning before the Big Bang. Here's the difference between a God-created universe and an evolved universe. God existed before and outside of the time and space, and, and, and neither we nor any scientist could possibly understand the realm that God exists in. From that realm, God created the universe and the time and space that you and I live in. The evolutionist has no answer to the beginning. You and I do. It's simple. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So let's trust the text and watch what God did as out of nothing he created the universe. Let's take a quick journey through Genesis chapter 1 this morning and rather than trying to figure out all the details in a step-by-step -step logical western way, <clears throat> and if you're wondering what I'm talking about when I say western and eastern, go back and listen to last week's message we talked about that. Um, you know, let's read the text and try to see it as the Israelites saw it, that first audience of the book of Genesis, as a poetic narrative that describes what God did as he created. So, verse 1, 
Again, God created the heavens and the earth. To the Israelites, heaven most likely was understood not as the vast space where all the stars and the planets are, but, but as the sky. Uh, earth uh, was probably not the planet earth, but the literal earth or the land. Not dry land. That came later. Uh, but the land that completely covers the planet. We don't think about it, but, you know, there's, there's, there's land that completely covers the planet. Even in the oceans, down below the water is land, right? <clears throat> in English, we might say, rather than heavens and earth, we might say sky and land. One commentator said that first God created sky and land, or the basic stuff, the basic stuff that he would then shape and mold. Verse 2, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Interestingly, the words formless and empty rhymed in the original language, the original Hebrew. Um, along with the rhythms and the literary patterns of Genesis chapter 1, here is a phrase that probably was intended to rhyme. Now, we lose that uh, rhyming in, in our translation to English, so some have attempted to capture a, a sense of that original style with, with phrases like, instead of uh, formless and empty, phrases like unformed and unfilled. Now, that doesn't rhyme, but it's kind of uh, illiterate. Uh, here we began to see God's intention. Uh, he created the basic stuff, which was unformed and unfilled. And then he began to form it and fill it. In addition to the basic stuff being unformed and unfilled, it was totally dark. No light existed because light had not been created yet. God's Spirit, we're told, hovered over the deep or the water which covered the entire planet at that time. Step one in the forming, let's light the place up. And so, in verse 2, we go to day one. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. God created light. But where did that light come from? You know, what was the source of the light? The sun and the moon hadn't been created yet, so where did it come from? The, the Western mind must know. How many of us have wrung our hands or, or tried to speculate where the light came from? Here's the answer. The text doesn't say. So we don't know where the light came from, what its source was. The creator who created the earth out of nothing, he made it happen. He made it happen. We don't have to understand the details. In fact, the original audience, uh, those Israelites who were recently freed from slavery, most likely would have never questioned this. Uh, it's only when we try to make it some kind of arguable science project that we stumble here. And that's not what we're trying to do. If God had meant for this narrative to be a scientific counter to evolution, he would have said something like, now you may be wondering where 
the light came from. Let me explain. No, the point for that original audience was not how God did it, just that he and he alone made it happen. The cycle of light and darkness, or day and night, offered the image of a day, which is important in the forming and the filling that is about to come uh, as we continue to read. When God saw the light, he found that it was good. You know, in polytheistic multiple God religions, that, uh, like the Egyptians, uh, that they had been enslaved by, and everyone else that they encountered along the way as they entered the promised land. Um, they all believed in multiple gods, and they were polytheistic. Their creation stories, and they all had creation stories, always involved war and conflict. Peace was disrupted to bring about something like light or land. <clears throat> but here, God's work brings more and more peace. Each time we see him, we, he stands back and he admires what he's done. And, and I can imagine a smile on his face as he saw the light and he said, now that's good. That's good. You ever done that? Yeah, you ever created or built or fixed something? You stood back and you thought, hmm, you know, that's, a, that's pretty good. Uh, even if I say so myself, that turned out all right. What's that old saying? I love it when a plan comes together. Uh, I've, I've said that many times when I, I set out to, to fix something or build something and it worked out just like I hoped it would. You know, you stand back and you pat yourself on the back and, and you think, man, that's good. That's good. God was very pleased with the first step of his forming and filling, bringing light. The first day was complete with the forming of the sky and the land covered by water and light. Verse 6, we see day number 2 begin. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. Now, here it looks like God took the heavens and the earth, uh, and he made a distinct separation between water on earth and water in the atmosphere. While, while those elements were already there already, the basic stuff was already there. Uh, here on day two, God makes them more distinct. You know, there's water on the earth that would be seas, and there was water in the atmosphere that would be the clouds or the mists. This vault or expanse looks like it becomes more of, of our atmosphere or the distinct sky that provides rain, provides life-sustaining oxygen, protects us from the, the, the sun's heat and radiation. God began to reshape the basic stuff, and on day two, we have an atmosphere that can sustain life. God then will begin to fill those in a couple of days. Now, we, while we don't have all the details, like where did the light come from uh, if there's no sun, uh, we do see order. There is order. God has a plan. And, and an orderly sequence, first things first. You know, unlike the theory of evolution where chaos 
slowly orders itself over billions and billions of years, God creates with a plan and order. And he shares the highlights of that plan with us in this beautiful narrative. You ever watch the highlights of a football game or some other sporting event? I often do that with, with a game that I'm interested in that maybe it wasn't on television. Uh, if, the, if the Panthers are playing at the same time Cowboys do, Camp Panthers always win out because they're a local team. Uh, so sometimes the only way I can see what happens is, is going to the highlights. Uh, NFL Network has a, a great feature that, that shows you the highlights of every game that's played each week. You know, the, signif- the significant parts of a game, like the touchdowns and first downs and runs and catches, fumbles, interception, penalties, the things that, that played a big part in the outcome of the game. You don't see the whole game. Uh, it only lasts for maybe 10 minutes, uh, but you see enough of the game to help you see how your team won or lost. You know, I have to admit that when my team, the Cowboys, uh, loses, I usually don't go back and watch the highlights. <laughs> I, got no, I got no interest in seeing them lose. I know some people that do go and watch their favorite team even when they lose, but I never do. But if they win, boy, if they win, you can guarantee I'm going to go look at the highlights maybe two or three times. I have to admit that, uh, uh, that, that that's a, uh, uh, an important part of, of me keeping up with how my uh, team does. The creation story in Genesis is like reading the highlights of creation. You know, we don't see every step uh, that led to the creation of light or the, the creation of the atmosphere or the creation of land. But God does give us enough to understand what happened, the important parts that took place. And and what a beautiful plan this was as we read Genesis 1. Uh, When it was done, God saw that it was, as as we'll see in a few minutes at the very end, God saw that it was not just good, it was very good. Uh, It was a perfect plan. It was a real winner. Uh, We get to see the highlights of creation Anytime we want to, you know, like going to ESPN and clicking on watch the highlights. We can go to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and we can watch the highlights of creation. Now, sometimes we might not want to go read chapter 3. You know, that's when we humans were not winners. And we might not want to watch that. But chapters 1 and 2 are like watching the highlights of a great victory over and over and over again. Verse 9, day 3. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the, the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Now here God has some final forming to do. And then he starts the filling process. Uh, Now he takes some of the land... 
that was under the water, that was covered by water, and he pulls it up to be exposed above the water, and he forms dry land. And as a result, the waters now are separated into seas. You know, I can imagine God just kind of reaching down, you know, way down into the depths of the the deepest oceans and and grabbing a, a hold of a bit of land and just pulling it up above the water, instantly forming continents like North America. And then on either side is the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean. And if you're a fan of of the Andrew Griffith show, as Ernest T. Bass called it, Old Man Kelsey's Ocean. Now you have dry ground and seas. And then in the highlights, we start to see God begin to fill the things he has formed. In an orderly plan, what would be the first thing that you would need as you began to fill the land and get ready for living creatures? Well, they'd need something to eat, right? So God fills the land with food. Now, not steaks and grilled chicken. Uh, no, in, in, in the beginning, the humans and the animals, uh, according to what we read in chapter 1, at the end of chapter 1, were all vegetarians. You know, the food was vegetarian, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that, that, that bore fruit with seed in it, uh, according to their various kinds, uh, the text says. Now, for those of you who might turn your... Those of you who might turn your nose up at being a vegetarian, just remember, you don't miss what you've never had. Uh, You know, at that time, uh, by the time living creatures came along, there was no death, and no one had ever eaten meat before, and so it was something that they didn't even think about because it it wasn't a part of their life. God stood back as, as he had had done this and and he looked at the beautiful fruit trees and he looked at the the collard greens and the cabbage and the carrots and the coconuts and the seaweed and the kelp that's for the sea creatures and the corn and cucumbers and he said man this is good this is good this third day was quite yummy uh, if you're a vegetarian and of course everybody was verse 14 or it would be verse 14 day four And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made stars. God sent them, set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. Now, now God is ready to fill the day and the night that he had created earlier with two lights, the sun and the moon. You know, somehow God made light appear before this, you know, we, we cannot know how, only that he did it. You know, maybe it was just the light from his own glorious presence there. Uh, maybe it Ill- illuminated from him somehow. We don't know. But then he fills the light and the darkness with the sun and the moon and the stars. They sort of take over the job of bringing light. These heavenly bodies will, will now be the source of light on earth. Not only will they give light... Uh, the sun during the day and the, the moon reflecting the sun at night. 
Uh, but they will also do things like mark the seasons, uh, mark the years, um, keep up with, help the Israelites keep up with sacred days and sacred years and sacred times, those things that would be very important to them uh, in the coming years. This filling step uh, and the next one on day five was extremely important to this original audience. You know, the pagan or polytheistic cultures that surrounded the Israelites when they were enslaved in Egypt and again when they were uh, in the promised land and when they were exiled in, in Babylon, you know, all of these polytheistic cultures believe that the sun and the moon and the stars, along with, as we'll see in the next day, the great sea creatures in, in the oceans, uh, they believed that they were gods. Um, pagan cultures throughout history have, have turned to the sun and the moon and the stars to plot their course in life uh, as they have some kind of power to do that. Uh, even today, what do people do? They go to their horoscope to see what awaits Sagittarius or Leo or Scorpio, uh, to see how the alignment of the stars are going to affect your day and affect your year and affect your life. The lesson for the Israelites and even for you and me today is the heavenly bodies are not gods. They have no influence on our future. Rather, they, are, they simply provide light. They, they govern the seasons. They naturally influence the tides and the weather. They have no minds. They have no agendas. They're, they're just created bodies that God used to fill the day and the night. So, for the Israelites and for us, don't worship them. They're not gods. And the same was true for the sea creatures that we'll see in the next day. Many polytheistic cultures thought that things like great whales and, and mega sharks that are now extinct, you know, uh, that they were those, those sea creatures that brought havoc to, to sailors were gods that were out to destroy them. No, they're, they're just created sea creatures uh, that God used to fill the seas along with fish and shrimp and coral and oysters. Now, Admitted, you know, a megalodon shark, have you ever seen those jaws for those, the skeleton jaws that, that have been unearthed of a megalodon shark? I mean, a, a human being can stand up inside of the jaws. They're so huge. No doubt when a sailor came in contact with something like that, it was terrifying. Uh, just as a great white shark would be terrifying today. But as terrifying as they might have been, they weren't gods out to attack them. At the end of the day of day four, God looks at the sun and the moon and the stars, and he said, man, this is good. It's like Christmas. Look at all the stars. Verse 20, day five. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. Now it's time to fill the sea and the air with 
creatures, with sea creatures and birds. There's food already in place. God's already in order put that in place. Uh, There's trees to live in and, and nesting material for the birds. There's plenty of space for the great schools of fish to swim in. When you, when you see a whale blow or breach out of the water and splash down, you know, it's not an angry God about to punish you for something. No, we need to stay clear of it, and they'll probably stay clear of you. It's not a God, it's just a whale that God created. God saw that these creatures were good, and he created in them the instinct to multiply and to fill the earth and the sea. And they did. Verse 24, day 6. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. The sea and the sky have been filled with living creatures. Now it's time to fill the land with living creatures. First, the animals, you know, things that move along the ground, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Elephants and zebras, squirrels and raccoons, wolves and panthers, cattle and sheep. You know, at this point, these animals were not meant for food, uh, either for themselves or for humans. Again, there was no death yet. That wouldn't come until, until chapter 3, until the fall. Uh, all creatures uh, appear to be vegetarians. It would not be until chapter 3, when death first appears, that meat gets on the menu. Right now, it's just salad. So, in the beginning, there was no fear among the animals and the humans. You hear hear the lion lay down with the lamb, um, and the, the human beings could walk around the tiger and not worry. The rabbit didn't run from the fox because he, he didn't fear of becoming the fox's dinner. And before God filled the earth with mankind, he stops and he looks at the animals and he says, man, this is good. This is good. Look at that giraffe. Look, look at that neck. Isn't that great? How about that duck-billed platypus? Crazy, right? Crazy. And then God rolled up his sleeves and he filled the land with one last thing, his prized creation, human beings, you and me. Verse 27, day six, part two. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, 
and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. You know, a couple of things that distinguish mankind from the animals. You know, we were created, first of all, in the image of God. Now, there are many speculations about what exactly that means. Uh, do we look like God? Is that, that what it's talking about? Do we think like him, or, or is our soul eternal like his is? You know, I, I don't know if we look like him, uh, but it's pretty obvious how different humans are compared to animals. Uh, we have the ability to, to think and to reason, to understand right and wrong, to choose to do right or, or wrong. We have the ability to have a relationship with God and, and to represent Him on earth. Uh, we're given the charge of taking care of God's creation. We can build, we can create, we can choose to love and be kind to each other, even when that love and kindness is not returned to us. Mankind is the goal and the crown of God's creation. All that was created before mankind was created for us to use and for us to enjoy, for us to benefit from, like food and just the beauty of it all. You know, unlike the, the pagan cultures that, that the, the Israelites were surrounded by, mankind is not a toy or a pet for the gods to play with. Uh, mankind was not created to provide the physical needs of the gods, as many polytheistic cultures uh, believe. No, mankind was created to be like God, to be loved by God, to have a relationship with God. Uh, God did not force us to love him. Uh, God let us choose whether we would love him or not. And at first, before sin entered the heart of mankind, when creation was still perfect, we always did choose to serve him and to love him. Now that would change. But for now, at the end of day six, God looked and he looked at all he had created. He looked at his prize creation and he said, this is not just good, this is very good. You know, to the Israelites who were recently freed from slavery, you know, what a wonderful and beautiful story this must have been to their ears after being just nothing but a worthless slave for 400 years. You know, they learned that there's just one God, and, and he not only created the heavens and the earth, but he created them, not to be slaves that made bricks for the Egyptians, but he created them in his image. He rescued them from slavery and promised that he would always love them. And if they remained faithful to him, he would always be there to take care of them. You know, those are the highlights of the beginning. Pretty cool story, isn't it? And, and while we can't really use it to account for things like the fossil record and, and carbon dating, and we can't use it to explain the extinction of the dinosaurs, <clears throat> it wasn't meant to do that. It wasn't meant to do that. But it can show us the same thing that it showed the Israelites, that, that, that we are created in God's image. <clears throat> he loves us more than any other thing, no matter what. We are not just slaves to serve some earthly slave master, but we, are, we as Christians know that we are God's sons and daughters. 
made that way through God's gift of Jesus. And, and when one day this world comes to an end, we will spend eternity with the one who in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the highlights of creation, this beautiful narrative that just tells us so much, even in just this short chapter. It doesn't tell us everything. Uh, maybe it doesn't tell us some things that we would love to know, but it tells us what we need to know. It tells us that you uh, were before all things, time and space and creation. You, uh, you have always existed, and uh, you, out of nothing, created everything that we see. And after you formed and filled the earth um, with the things that were needed, you created out of nothing uh, man and woman, Adam and Eve, uh, uh, the, those of us who are, who are listening today. Um, we are your crown of creation. Thank you, Father, uh, for loving us, for being tolerant of, of us, as we're going to see in chapter 3. Um, we failed you, we disobeyed you, but you still loved us. Uh, you weren't happy, but you came up with a way to save us through Jesus. And so I thank you for this, for this beautiful chapter, this beautiful narrative, the highlights of creation. Help us to, to always uh, remember how great and wonderful you are. Um, and, uh, and because of that, be motivated to serve and worship you. We thank you, Father. Uh, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.